Moncrief with Energlaze on News Talk. Last week, figures were released on the amount of animals used in university laboratories in Ireland. That figure is around 120,000 creatures, including rats, mice, rabbits, frogs, guinea pigs and even exotic fish, all of which were used to research possible cures for the likes of Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, cardiovascular ailments and Crohn's disease. So how do you balance the ethics of all this? Graham Finley from UCD is here to tease it out, though uh, you're not here representing UCD. I am the very opposite of representing UCD. I think everybody at UCD would want to make it very clear <laughs> that yeah. I'm in no way speaking for UCD. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm in a private capacity as someone who knows a bit about ethics. Yes. But not about what exactly goes on at UCD in terms of animal research. Yes. Okay. Now, and we should, I suppose, at this point, make the distinction between um, uh, animal research for things like cosmetics and animal research for strictly medical reasons. The, the, the former, is, is that banned in the European it's Union? It's banned completely? in the European Union. has been for quite a long time. And uh, there's actually a really interesting space because some cosmetics are still tested on, on animals, but in places like China. But, uh, and, and in fact, in the United States, you know, their uh, animal rights activists are urging the United States to follow the European Union's example. So the European Union is really a leader when it comes to animal welfare. And uh, yeah, cosmetic testing is completely banned. Okay, all right. Just so, just so in, in case people don't uh, um, confuse the two things, and because you are, you will inevitably mention them. Uh, uh, you better explain who Peter Singer is. Yes, might as well say <laughs> the world's most famous applied ethicist. And uh, if you read but one applied ethicist, really ever. Peter Singer is your man. And the other great thing about Peter Singer is he's extremely controversial, um, so much so that he gets sort of physically attacked for some of his other views, to be fair, which are not dissociated from these views, but different. Um, and he's really easy to read. I, um, I have talked about his, his thinking with children. Um, you know, it's, there's nothing difficult about Peter Singer, and yet it's really, really provocative. And this is kind of no exception. Yeah. Even though, so he's a, he's a, you know, there's two ways of thinking about ethics, right? Uh, in this area, largely, I'd say. One is this, what we call a consequentialist approach, where, the, you know, you try to do what has the, the greatest benefit to people and the least harm. So where the, 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 the benefits outweigh the costs, right? Yeah. And, and the costs are serious things like suffering of animals and, and suffering of people and things mm. like that. Peter Singer is a consequentialist. So while he's also famous for writing a book, which has just come out in a second edition, Animal Liberation, where he tries to develop the notion, which he didn't come up with, but it, it's associated with him, of speciesism, analogous to racism, where we privilege our species over others, often for no reason, and in a way which leads to a lot of unnecessary suffering by animals, right? So cosmetic testing would be a great example where we privilege our species, getting to have nice makeup, Right. And uh, over other species where we make them go through all the pain of making sure it's not going to kill you mm. if you if you eat and drink an entire bottle of, I don't know, nail varnish or yeah. something like that. Right. So um, so, so as a consequentialist, he's like, this is unnecessary suffering. It's also unfair discrimination, which in a way expresses a really unjustifiable attitude where we, we prefer our, our species to the other one. But he allows animal experimentation, even on quite what we might think of as the higher sort of primates or higher animals like monkeys, uh, which were experiments which were being done for to hopefully develop serious treatments for Parkinson's, right? Now, you can imagine this is not an easy experiment for the, for the yeah, monkeys, yeah. right? Um, since Parkinson's is a brain-related uh, uh, disorder. But 
Uh, but he'd allow that because of the great gains which would happen for human beings, right? He has at various places controversially sort of suggested that, you know, given that there's no great moral difference between the higher animals and, and humans, you could maybe experiment on humans before you experiment on animals. Uh, but uh, in any case, he, he also has no problem with killing humans and animals, right, if that's going to lead to a greater level of suffering, which is why he's behind experiments, many of which, many of the experiments involve euthanizing the animals because you want to be able to study their tissues and mm. things like that. In fact, a lot of the animals which were in the article, um, like some animals used in research, were killed before they were used in research because it was the tissues people wanted to look at. Yeah, they, they, that sounds contradictory, though. If I mean, if, he, if he's saying animals and, uh, and humans are more or less equal to each other, that I don't understand then how he'd make an exception with experimenting on, on apes. Yeah, well, I think the idea is, again, you minimize... I mean, maybe... Yeah, it's true. Uh, it's... Uh, you... He, I mean, there is a creeping sort of distinction between us there. I think the idea is that monkeys, while lovely, except for the one in Cove in, like, 2002, which stole my kid's sandwich, um, yeah. you know, one, are, yeah. are, you know are, are, you know, lovely creatures, I'm sure. They're, they're sentient, and they, they, they experience fear and anxiety and, and pain and so forth, but maybe not quite to the same degree as us. And I think this is actually something which does sort of haunt the, the, the whole animal research ethics area. People are, of course, particularly concerned about things which look like us. And there's actually a wonderful cartoon about how all morality can be basically reduced to how much like me is something. Right? Yeah. Are children <laughs> very much like you can't eat them, can't perform cruel experiments on them. Fish, uh, more so bug, uh, whatever, right? Yeah. You know, uh, and I think there are, there are limits to this way of thinking. You know, um, I've often thought, you know, look, you, you, you know, the, the welfare requirements, which are extremely strict, even before we get to the technologies you use to euthanize animals or, and of course, the three R's, which we really have to talk about, which are the most important principles surrounding animal research. But, you know, they do become more intense as you go up sort of the chain of worth, <laughs> which people are yeah. talking about. And I've often thought, look, what if there was an experiment which involved you just running a steamroll over like 10,000 or 100,000 worms, Right. Would we have no qualms about that whatsoever? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not totally sure uh, I am. And I think that maybe gets at what um, the opposing side to doing any kind of animal research are on about, which is that it's not just a matter of good consequences or bad consequences, even if we take the suffering of a worm as, you know, at least relatively countable compared yeah. to a human yeah. being one, where people say, look, Animals are not just tools for us to use. They're not a means to an end, as Kant used to tell us. But they're, you know, real creatures with lives to live and, you know, capable of, to varying degrees, of experiences. Um, and we shouldn't just use them as, as a tool, right? Mm. Um, and, and this often goes as far as, especially for the higher primates, but even for all animals, like sand dollars, you know, have rights, right? Which means, and the way rights often work is that they're sort of breaks, or even vetoes or trumps on all your the consequentially good things you might want to do, say, through animal research, right? Yeah. You know, if, like, if I have a right not to have cruel experiments performed on me, even if performing that cruel experiment on me as a human being, you know, would really benefit millions and millions of people, sorry, can't do that. Yeah, yeah. So that, again, <laughs> implies a double standard. And, and there is in, in an increasing... Well, there's a lot of been a lot of research into into uh, you know it's higher mammals and 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 elephants and porpoises and um, 
um, octopuses that would imply, or at least certain scientists, uh, 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 scientists, scientists have inferred, means that many of these creatures feel fear. They have an interior emotional life, and the, the more perhaps that we're discovering about that the more tricky this this argument becomes. Yeah, it's getting Surely. harder and harder to eat octopus, which yeah. is a terrible blow to our Spanish friends who yeah. may well just ignore it. But, yeah. uh, you know, pigs are very clever and able. Yes, like they have yeah. complex sort of communications. They're social animals. They're also a great way to get rid of a dead body in case you're looking to do that. But, because uh, they'll eat anything. Uh, not that that justifies treating them cruelly. But, but no, I mean, and again, I think, you know, there's a reason why there are a lot of, you know, mice here. And they and that's sort of the the smallest and also most easily reproduced animal, yeah. which will still model the human being in terms of sort of crucial mammalian characteristics. But uh, that's why, for a lot of research, whether it's evolutionary research or genetic research um, or even brain research, a lot of people have gone to zebrafish, you know, which are not particularly smart. Um, have the convenience that they can be stored with uh, a decent uh, accommodation to their welfare mm-hmm. in, in in tanks in quite small spaces, unlike rats or or mice even. Because, you know, what? Pete, I really encourage people to go on the Health Products Regulatory Authority website, which regulates this for Ireland based on all the national and, and European legislation. It is amazing. They have an amazing number of resources on um, exactly what kind of standards of accommodation for mice you should have, mm-hmm. right? On whether uh, tickle, you know, sort of tattooing mice versus ear clips are, are more painful in terms of identifying the individual mice. How to deal with genetic drift if you're genetically altering mice, which is a big part of animal research. Unbel- you know, there's whole stories on just tickling rats, right? And whether that's <laughs> got an effect on their welfare. So it is a remarkable site. And while it's not going to convince people who are opposed to all forms of animal research on a rights base, it is going to perhaps allay people's worries that the scientists are engaging in unnecessary cruelty because the scientists are super good about trying to find new ways to make animals suffer less. Yeah. Right? Uh, and the ways they do that, and these are very, very important principles. Um, so a zebrafish have a brain, sorry, to finish the zebrafish point. You know, it's a brain which has got vastly fewer neurons than we do. But, you know, the principle is kind of basically the same. Right, and you can, and they reproduce very quickly, just like fruit flies are very useful for mm. evolution because you'd be waiting ages for a generation of of mice, even, yeah. compared to a fruit fly. Um, anyway, the three big principles are replacement. You know, is there any way to avoid using animals altogether? Right, and these include in vitro research, which presumably doesn't cause pain. They, uh, at least at a certain level, like and cell lines, which are not creatures yet, right? Um, computer models, they even have organs on a chip, which are uh, simulations of, of human organs or other organs uh, in, in very controlled environments, super sophisticated um, real-world technology, so you can avoid using animals. Um, and to try and use invertebrates, like that's the big distinction, like fruit flies or worms, if you mm. can, right? The second principle is replacement, uh, sorry, is reduction, you know, reduce the numbers of animals. Um, uh, and that doesn't mean reducing them to as few animals as, as possible, because, but rather to reduce it to the numbers you need necessary to get a, a good result, right? There's no point in having so few animals that you don't get a, a, a result which means anything, because then you, it won't be reproducible, and then you'll have wasted those animals' lives, and you mm. won't have even gotten the medical benefit out of it, right? And then the final one is refinement, and that involves all, refining all the procedures you use to make sure that the animals uh, are accommodated well, they have high welfare standards, they um, have anesthesia if 
pain is involved, right? If they are going to be euthanized, that's done in a, in a really uh, humane way uh, with as little anxiety, which is even more important maybe than the pain, right? Because you can use pain medication to yeah. reduce the pain, but it's the anxiety which uh, people are most concerned about. And they're unbelievably careful in ongoing technical developments in terms of what is the least anxiety and painful way to kill an animal so you can study its tissue. Yeah. Um, So all of those things come under the the, the frame of refinement. And again, if you go onto the HBRA's website, it's really, really something. Um, There's a couple other R's, which sometimes people um, add respect, which is to acknowledge that these are sentient beings, right, who are capable of of feeling fear and anxiety, and we should treat them with care and respect, which is going a little far beyond you know, pain medication or something like that. And then responsibility, a sense that researchers have to be compliant with all the legislation. And they can be audited by the HPRA at any time. The legislation, um, they have to get approvals for everything. It's its really like the responsibility part is taking your legal and ethical yeah. responsibility seriously. Okay. But they're still doing it, though. They are, they're doing it now. I mean, I don't know. It depends on how you feel about this. I mean, for uh, it's 40,000 a year, say, right? Yeah. Um, for all of the universities in Ireland, right? Now, that may seem like a lot, right? Mm. Um, they're mostly mice, and mice are very cute, um, unless they're in your, your food. But, uh, you know, it's um, and crapping all over the place. It's terrible. Uh, but, you know, uh, these studies, there are a lot of scientists in Ireland. I think we probably forget just how much is going mm. on. Uh, and a lot of these science um, projects would be in partnership with sort of large companies in Ireland um, and uh, where they're trying to hopefully develop really new beneficial technologies and pharmaceuticals mm. for for human and animal use. I mean, hopefully we can improve animal welfare through this research as well. So, again, um, yes, each every mouse, you know, um, is valuable, but... I think I guess I leave it up to listeners to look at just how many projects mm. are involved. They, some of them will involve hundreds of mice. Some of them may involve 50 mice. But there's a lot of research going on in this country. Yeah. I th- yeah, but I, as, as an... You're I'm looking being, at me I'm, as if I'm sort of I'm some being, sort of monster. I mean, I know you're not representing this, so I'm being, I'm being uh, I'm devil's advocate here. But it, it, does, it does kind of at the same time, even though a great, a great deal of trouble has been gone to, 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 to treat the animals with respect and as much care as humanly possible. At the end of the day, they're doing it uh, and they're not doing it to people. So, you know, some pigs are more important than others. Yeah. And I think, yeah. And the, cal- I mean, again, Peter Singer would be a lot harsher on this than probably most people. I mean, this yeah. is very much the kind of view of animals, which we get from some interpretations of, you know, Genesis, right? Where mm. basically the world and all the animals was given to Adam to do with what he would. And now that's not a very animal ethics respecting kind of ethos, <laughs> yes. but it is very hard to get away from this idea that you can, you could murder as many worms as you like. You can put them on hooks and catch fish with them, which you can then murder, right? Mm. You know, um, this is not research. This is a hobby, but you know, and it's, it's very hard to get away from that. There are problems with what Peter Singer himself has called widening the circle of the we, because he points out, look, you know, a lot of people like Sidgwick, the philosopher, said, you know, I have more obligations to people who are like me than people who are not like me. And he said, you know, I have more obligations to my family than I do to, to other people's families, right, in Ireland, right? I have more obligations to Irish people than I do to... Yeah, Bad example, Canadians or yeah. you know, people from Malawi, right? Um, and then, you know, classically in the 19th century, so I have more obligations to my fellow white people than I do. And it's like, oh, no, wait, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's no, no, that's not a circle we want to, we want to include, right? Yeah. And I, I think there are real reasons to challenge that when it comes to certain animals. A lot of people have argued that, again, higher primates or primates generally 
really should be treated like human beings. And pe- there are people who write articles called simian sovereignty, where we should sort of develop homelands where they can develop, you know, their own social and political orders, you know, uh, for, you know, orangutans and yeah. stuff like that. Okay. So, but anyway, so, so it is very hard to see where it gives out. Some people say, look, no central nervous system, we get to eat you. Yeah. Right? Or experiment on you. But of course, they aren't really great stand-ins if you want to develop a cancer drug. Yeah. And while... <laughs> Yeah, it's very, this, uh, 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 these questions though would seem to kind of lean uh, also towards eating animals. There's no justification for that. Well, and that's exactly right. So, uh, so Peter Singer um, is famously a vegetarian. That's one of the main conclusions Mm. of, uh, of the, um, of the book, Animal Liberation. It's, uh, it's extremely speciesist to eat other people when you wouldn't eat a human, right? You know, mm. uh, and of course, and in a non-emergency situation, say, right? And, uh, the, <laughs> you know, and so, yeah, because there, there's a lot of unnecessary suffering, right? Um, now, before the, you know, in this, unnecessary in the sense that I can live without eating them, right? Mm. You know, I know farmers very often have high standards of welfare as well, so I really don't want to call the wrath of the farmers down on me. But it's unnecessary in the sense that I could live without eating it. Right? Yeah. Now, he's actually always annoying his fellow vegetarians by, you know, eating oysters. He said, oh, I'd eat an oyster because it doesn't have a central nervous system, right? And if it's had a sort of good life and it wasn't raised in an oyster, cruel oyster environment, right? Um, But he also has eaten lab meat and things like that. So it's not an ethos of eating... You know, it's not meat itself. Meat, per meat se, itself. Yeah, it's yeah. the it's the it's the lab meat. It's it's, you know that there. that that meat never suffered, right? And so yeah. even you know if it could be made cheap enough, yeah, sure he eat that burger. He did eat that burger. So yes, um, obviously there are conclusions for vegetarianism, which um, does not fall under the uh, animal research uh, ethos whatsoever. Whatsoever, it's a fascinating area, <laughs> uh, nonetheless. Perhaps maybe perplexing for a lot of us. Graham, thanks a million as ever. Graham Finley there uh, from uh, UCD. Moncrief, weekdays at 2 p.m. with Anna Glaze on News Talk.